God doesn't use a closed vessel. We are all the vessel of the Lord. And the other day when I was teaching, I was telling you that uh, some other vessel of, vessel of clay, vessel of gold, vessel of silver, vessel of diamond. And however, as much as we are all vessels, the Lord doesn't use a closed vessel. The, the Lord uses only an open vessel. Tell someone an open vessel. An open vessel. Now why am I saying this? Assuming this bottle is you, and if this bottle be you, and this bottle is being closed, if we are to pour water into this bottle, it will not enter into it. Come, be with me. When we are pouring water into this bottle, it will not enter because it is closed, right? Yes. Or are you with me? Yes, sure. However, if we should open this bottle and we should pour water inside, the water will enter, right? Yes. Then as the water enters, it can fill it up and even overflow. Do you agree? Now, if there is going to be an impartation today, and if you are going to be able to receive anything from the service today, then there is a need for you to open up your spirit so the Lord can feel you. Because the Lord will certainly not use a closed vessel. Because a closed vessel cannot be filled. And if you cannot be filled by God, you cannot be used by God. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell someone, if you cannot be filled by God, we cannot be used by God. Therefore, open up your spirit. Hallelujah. I am ministering, discerning the voice of God in the voice of the Father. Discerning the voice of God in the voice of the Father. Now, anytime uh, we see people, all right, when they have men of God, they have spiritual fathers, we see them keeping their man of God as a monument. However, you cannot keep your man of God as a monument or as a plate in, 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 your, in the room of your shelves. Hallelujah. Some of you have shelves where you put things. You cannot put your man of God in a shelf where you cannot showcase your man of God. Your man of God is supposed to be a role model and that role model must be showcased. Hallelujah. Amen. Your man of God must not be hidden. We must know this is your man of God and I will explain to you right here. Now, anytime you read, uh, many times you see people play football, there are um, 11 players each on a pitch for each side and each side also has a coach. And this coach is to direct the team. However, we don't see the coach in the dressing room. We see the coach on the pitch. And even though the coach is on the pitch, he is at the sideline. Are you with me? He is still visible. The coach is still visible on the pitch. Even though he's not playing, he's still visible. All right? Now, when the match is being played and the team loses a match, they quickly blame the coach. <laughs> they will say it is the coach's selection. Uh, what have you? <laughs> uh, the coach. Don't blame more on the coach than they blame the players. However, if the team also wins, isn't of them giving more of the praise and accolade to the coach as they did place the problem on him? What they do is that they award best player. <laughs> so are you with me? What it means is that they award best player, they award best goal, they award uh, highest goal scorer. But in the same match, they do not award best coach of the match. Hmm. Hallelujah. Are you with me at all? So they are able to see the coach visible and argue out and complain over the coach that he is the reason why the team had failed. And even Ghana, the Black Stars, we see people chastising the coaches and then they have to change the coach for every tournament. Hallelujah. Oh, are you with me? Why am I saying this? The coach is not in the, in the dressing room. He's not hidden. He is in the limelight. Which means that the coach is accountable for the players. And the players are accountable to the coach. Now, your father, your man of God, cannot be hidden he must be made public so that he becomes accountable for you so people can equally know that you are accountable to someone are you with me <coughs> sorry i will explain further people are supposed to know that you are accountable to someone and someone is accountable for you the book of first samuel chapter eight chapter nine the verse two downwards first samuel Chapter 9, the verse 2 that was, I'm still ministering, descending the voice of God in the voice of your father. And I'm saying that your father cannot be hidden. Your father must be made public, so he remains accountable for you. 
and people can know that you are accountable to someone, then they can trust you and put things in your hands. First Samuel chapter 9, the verse 2 downwards. The Bible says there was a man called Kish. And Kish had a son. And the son of Kish was called Saul. And the Bible says Saul was the most handsome man in the whole town of Israel. Even though he belonged to the Benjamite family. Are you here at all? So Kish had a son. And the name of this son is Saul. Yet Saul is the most handsome man in Israel. So just like we have Daniel's most beautiful, <laughs> Saul was the most beautiful man in Israel at the time. But it came to a time where Kish lost his cattle. Kish lost some oxen. And then he sent his son Saul to go search for these oxen or these cattle who which are missing. So Saul journeyed to go look for these cattle. And Bible says, and Saul went with his servant. Now listen carefully. Now, as much as Saul went to the was and then they were looking and searching for the cattle that were missing. The said they did not find the cattle uh, for two days straight. They did not find the cattle, and they were exhausted. They had spent most of their money, their supplies, their food supplies were exhausted, and they needed to go back to where they came from. And Bible said, then the servant of Saul in the verse five, verse six, told Saul that there is a man of God. By the name Samuel, who speaks and it comes to pass. Let's go and inquire of him where the cattle are. Are you here now? Now, your man of God is someone who speaks and it comes to pass. He doesn't only speak in your life, but he speaks also in the lives of others and it comes to pass. And you are able to see it vividly. Are you here? So, the servant of Saul says that there is a man of God called Samuel and when he speaks it comes to pass now one of the things you are supposed to note here is that for you to be able to meet your man of God your man of God can be introduced to you by someone or through something now if the oxen or the cattle of, of Saul's father Kish did not get missing there is no way Saul would have journeyed on this journey to go find this cattle and then meet his man of God now, so something can cause you to find your man of God. And also someone can introduce you to your man of God. So here, the servant introduced Saul to his man of God. Like someone, he did not know him then. So many of you got to know me through someone. Some of you also got to know me through a particular problem that you were going through. Are you with me at all? Yes. Or are you with me? Yes, so now, I want you to follow the story carefully. And <laughs> we'll get to where we have to get to. Hallelujah. Now, they had met Saul, they went, alright, in the verse 7, verse 6. The servant was telling Saul that, okay, let's go, let's journey and go and find this man of God. Now, the verse 7, Bible said, and then Saul was asking his servant that we do not have anything in our hands. We have exhausted whatever we have. So, if we meet the, the prophet of God or the seer, in the olden days, they call the prophet the seer. So if you read your scripture, said, if you meet the seer, what are we going to give unto the seer? What are we going to give unto the seer? You see, in the olden days, there's a principle that you will not go and meet a man of God and not hold anything in your hands. Unlike today, that the, some particular people have named some particular principles as consultation fee. It's not supposed to be a consultation fee. There are principles in the kingdom, and these people were practicing it in the olden days, and it was working for them. They respected their man of God, and they honored their man of God, and it was working for them. So Saul said, we have nothing. What are we going to do if you go and meet our man of God? And then the servant said, oh, I have four shekels with me, so when we go, we can give him that. Now, they met this man of God, which was Samuel. And Bible said, that when Saul met Samuel, he stood and asked Samuel, um, where can we locate the house of the seer? He had met his father, but he did not know that he had met his father. And then he was asking his father that, where do I find my father? <laughs> where do I find his house? Just like some of you are here, you have met your father, but you do not know you have met your father. So you want to roam about and see if there's another father somewhere. Tell someone mercy. But what did you not know that he was right in front of his father? And probably in those days, not have photographs and pictures and all that, so he did not know how someone looked like. But when he got someone said, I am the one that you seek him for. Someone said, I am the one that you search for. 
let us go into my house. Now, when they went into the house, Saul began being anxious. In the verse 20, Saul was anxious. He was thinking about his father's flocks, where the flocks have gone to. And now this man of God is telling me to come and come and dine with him. All I needed from the man of God is to tell me where these flocks are and not to come and dine. But this man of God said, come and come and dine with me. And then when he went into the house, Samuel said, in the verse 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 9, Samuel said, why are you anxious of that which had already been found? He said, this cattle that you are searching for, they are already found three days ago. The cattle that are missing three days ago that you are searching for, they are already found. So why are you focused and so worried about what has already been found when your focus is supposed to be in what is not found? Then someone was asking so, is not the entire Israel looking for what is inside you? You see, what some of you do is to focus on what <laughs> has already been found. And what you're supposed to actually focus on is what is not found. Because in that, you will find a promotion in there. Now, so someone said, is not the entire Israel looking for what is inside you? Are you not the king of Israel? Watch this. Someone, his father, the father of Saul, spiritual father of Saul, was saying that it's not the entire Israel searching for what is inside you. Are you not the king of Israel? And then Saul said, No, I am not the king of Israel. <laughs> for as a matter of fact, I even come from the smallest tribe in Israel, that's the Benjamin tribe. And even in the midst of a Benjamite, um, my family is also part of the smallest family in the Benjamin family. So there is no way that I could be, I'm nowhere close to the throne to even be a king. So, so prophet, see ya, what are you saying? The someone said, do not worry, you are the king of Israel. Hallelujah. So what your father sees, you are not able to see. Sometimes what you yourself, you don't see about yourself, your father sees about you and tells you what is ahead. And it is very likely that you doubt your father because you do not have that kind of eye that he has and you are not seeing what he's seeing. Hallelujah. Now, after someone had told Saul this particular thing, he said, enter into the house. Now, when he entered into the house, this was someone did. Someone gave Saul the highest place to sit. If you read the scripture carefully, Bible said, and then someone made Saul sit at the chief place. They were all in a room, but in the same room that they were, there was a place called the chief place. There was a place that is the highest place in the room. That's why last week I was telling you that when you go to your room, restructure things in your room because the positioning of things will determine how the spirit will come to habit. Are you with me at all? So, they have a room, but in this same room, there is a particular place of the room called the highest place. This particular place in the room called the chief place. So, every place in your room is not equal. Hmm? The same way, where I am standing right now is the altar of the church. The place, the altar of the church is not as the same as where you are seated. Are you here at all? Now, my seat I am sitting on, not because of the size, but because of who is seated there, it is different from where you are seated. So if I am making you sit on my seat, it represents something different. Are you here with me? Okay. So someone, knowing very well that Saul is not a, is not a king of Israel yet, but he's seeing him as a king, he made him sit at the highest place in the room prophetically signify what is here to come. So after Saul had sat there, the miracles began taking place. He had already understood him before time. Are you following at all? Before Saul will become the king and become whoever the prophecy is supposed to be, Samuel performed a spiritual activity by making him sit on the seat first, the highest place in the room. I just hope that you went home last week and you were able to make a particular place sacred in your room. I hope that 
So you can be able to invite the Spirit of God to you up there. Hallelujah. Now, after they had done all those things, they ate and they slept. Now, the next morning, Saul was supposed to depart from Samuel. Saul was supposed to depart from Samuel. And so, can we read it, please? I, I want them to get it. Because the moment Samuel and Saul were about to depart, Bible said, and Samuel began prophesying to Saul. He began telling Saul that you are going to meet a company of prophets in chapter 10. You are going to meet a company of prophets and you will prophesy with them. But he didn't end there. He said that you are going to meet a people who are going to Bethel, the house of God, and they will carry three loaves of bread and a wine. Can we read it, please? Man of God. First Samuel chapter 10, downwards. Verse 1, downwards. Then Samuel took the veil of oil and poured it on Saul's head mm-hmm. and kissed it and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his heritage, Israel? Mm-hmm. When you have left me today, you will meet two men. So Samuel, the father of Saul, the spiritual father of Saul, began prophesying to Saul. And move on. He was giving detailed, prophet, vivid prophecy as to what he's going to be meeting. And they will say to you, mm-hmm. the donkeys you sought are found. So, he's telling him what they're even going to say. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. And your father has quit caring about them and is anxious for you. Mm-hmm. Ask him, what shall I do about my son? Mm-hmm. Then you will go on from there and you will come to the oak of table and three men going up to God at Bethel who meet you there. Listen carefully from here. One carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin bottle of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. Now wait please. Now after Saul had encountered his father, something had happened because his father had anointed him and then he had anointed him a king. So even before he he Samuel will see Saul will officially be on the throne as the king of Israel. Bible said his father began prophesying to him. And then he told him that you are going to meet people on the way. And a particular people you are going to meet, they are going to Bethel, the house of God, and they are carrying three loaves of bread and a skin of wine. And what is going to happen is that when they meet you in the verse 6, they are going to salute you. Verse 4. Verse 4. He said they are going to salute you. They are going to salute you. They are going to greet you. And not only will it end there, they are going to give you two loaves of bread from the three loaves that they have. Now watch this. Saul is not yet the king. But someone is trying to say that the level of respect people give to you from now onwards is going to change because you have encountered your father. You are not yet the king, but the level of respect is going to change by the reason of encountering your father and the oil placed upon your head. Are you here with me? Then he goes ahead to say, because you have encountered your father again, these people, when they meet you, you will not even ask for bread, but they will give you two loaves of bread. What happens is that anytime you meet your father, you do not struggle to have. There are things you cannot lack in your life if you have met your father. Because people will give to you even if you've not asked. Have you even met your father at all? Have you met your father at all? Have you met your father at all? Yes. Does your father know that he's your father? You see, you have to make your father aware that you are my father. When someone realized that he is the father of Saul, he anointed him. And then he began prophesying to him. And everything that someone was saying that Saul is going to meet on the journey, Saul was meeting them one by one. He was meeting them one after the other. And everything that someone had said that is going to happen, and the words of the people, he heard it. The people were saying the same things. 
Has your father ever prophesied to you and you've seen them happening? Oh, come on. <laughs> Has he said A, B, C, D and they are happening? <laughs> so, you see that the respect. See, if you are here and people don't give you a particular respect that you must be given, it means that you have not yet found your father. Yeah. Or your father doesn't know he's your father. But if your father knows he's your father and that encounter is established, suddenly there is a kind of reverence people begin to place upon you. Oh my goodness. Now, you see, when, when someone was prophesying to Saul and Saul was meeting everything and everything was coming to pass, you see, if you're in this generation, right, there are many people who have come to a point where they are Christians, but they are baby Christians. They are carnal Christians. So they even think that their man of God has conspired with other people and he has paid other people to act up so that you can believe in him. I don't need to pay anyone to come and act like they are confirming a prophecy so that you can become my daughter or my son. I, I, I have too much integrity. My, my integrity is intact. I, I, don't, I don't have the time to do those, those things. So people, children of God, people who are babes in Christ, they begin to think carnally that the amount of God have paid someone so that they can be convinced to be in that church or to be a member or to be a father to them. If your man of God is paying people to act and to confirm prophecies, how long is he going to continue to do that? How long? How long can your man of God continually pay people to act out? How long can your man of God continue to pay people to come and do drama? And then maybe I pay Minister Albert to begin to confirm a prophecy about someone here. And then in, in doing so, the person begins to, to believe in me. How long can I continually pay Minister Albert to continue to do that? He himself will get tired of that. But that's what some of you think. That when your man of God is prophesying to you, saying, you think, what you, baby? I know one way or the other you, you have come to that point before. But what will I am not that kind of person. <laughs> At least my pastors know. You will not come to me with people's issues and then for me to prophesy to them based on those things you've told me. No. Does it mean God has not speak? <laughs> I don't need men. My integrity is intact. So if you are part of the people who believe that men of God have to pay other people to, yes, I understand there are false prophets. Other people do that, but we don't do that here. We bear the name I am. We can't put God to shame. <laughs> we, we, we don't do those things. So, discern the voice of God in the voice of a father. The book of First Samuel, chapter 15, and verse 3. <laughs> One of the mistakes that someone did was to anoint Saul too. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So, was the spiritual son of Samuel. However, Samuel did a mistake by anointing his son Saul. And he did a mistake by anointing him not to become the king, but to prophesy. <laughs> because Bible said that, and Saul received another heart. And then when he met the company of the prophet, he began prophesying with them. And that was the one of the mistakes a father did for his son. You know, last year I told that all of you have the ability to prophesy, right? All right? Yes. Okay. And some of you, Fahun, did you mean? <laughs> First Samuel chapter 15, the verse 3. Bible says that, and then someone had heard from the Lord, and the Lord told someone to go and tell his son, Saul, that you are going to war with the Amalek or the Amalekites. Kill everything and kill everyone. Spare no one. Can we read it, please? First Samuel 16, verse 15. 15, verse 3. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekites. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army to Talent. There were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 100,000 men from Judah. All right, please stop there. This is the reason why I'm saying that someone made a mistake by anointing Saul to be 
to prophesy. Now, God had given Samuel an instruction to be given to Saul, his spiritual son. And he said, you are going to war, kill everything. See, there came a time where killing is not a sin. <laughs> but if you don't kill, it's a sin. <laughs> I, will not, I will not go into it deeper. I, I, I might confuse some of you. God was telling him to go kill and not to spend even one life, not even spend a king, the life of a king of the town. Kill everyone. Kill even animals. Kill every animal you find. Do not leave any of them alive. Now the verse 8, something happened. Saul went there and then he kept the king alive. <laughs> Please read it for me. Verse 8. Verse 8. And he took Agar, the king of Amalekite. So Saul, your father had told you, has given you an instruction from God that you should not kill someone, but you should kill people, kill everyone, keep none alive. And then when Saul went there, he kept the king alive, and then he kept the nine oxen and the cattle alive because he said he had heard the voice of God. Okay, please read. So he entirely destroyed all of the rest of the people with the sword. Mm-hmm. So, and the people spared Agak mm-hmm. and the best of the sheep's okay. oxen. Okay. And all that was good. Move on, please. Verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret making Saul king, for he has not he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commands. Alright, now but let's see. God is saying that he's regretted creating Saul and even making Saul the king of the town. May God not regret putting you in a particular place. Amen. May you not regret. Now, read the verse 18 for me. Saul is now saying that it is God that told him to kill the people alive. <laughs> verse 18. Mm-hmm. And the Lord sent you on a mission mm-hmm. and said, Go, entirely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Okay. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? So his father is questioning him. Now, why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord given to you through me? But swooped down upon the plunder and did evil. What did, Saul say? what did Saul say? Saul said to Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agar, king of Amalekite and, and have entirely destroyed the Amalekites. So who, 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 is, who is lying here? Who is lying here? <laughs> Are you following at all? His father has given him an instruction to kill everything based on what God has said. And then this son has come out to say that, oh, he did not kill this particular people because of what God has said. Just say, See, there comes a time in the life of believers when they begin to do certain things that their fathers do. They think they are better than their father. They think they, they are their father's father. Hallelujah. Amen. When sometimes when you begin to do things that your father do, it is quite easy for you to disrespect him. Very easy. When you begin to do certain things that your man of God do, your pastors do, it is quite easy to disrespect them. And Saul had a suggestion in his mind. He was not, see, as much as he had the gift of prophesying, he was not mature in the things of God. So he could not differentiate between the voice of the people, the, his voice, the voice of the devil, and the voice of God. So whilst the voice of the people was speaking, he mistook it for the voice of God. And he said, the Lord has asked me to keep these ones alive. But someone is saying that God said, kill everyone. Kill everything. Humans and animals. So I will tell you that this is what God said, and you will feel that oh, mommy and the same moon. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's say uh, I tell you, uh, bring uh, uh, your right shoe. Let me do something. So, oh, Papa, let me bring my left right up. <laughs> Are you with me? Place your hand on your chest. Let me pray with you. They are placing it on your head, brother. Thinking they are all part of your body. You are hearing God separate. Your father is hearing God separate. My problem is that God knew that Saul would prophesy. But God did not go and give Saul the instruction. He gave the instruction to his father 
to be given to the son. God understands hierarchy and principles. Are you here at all? Are you here? Come on, are you here at all? So God obeys the hierarchy. And then he gave the son instructions. But let's see what happened. Now Saul wanted to sacrifice this animal that he has taken from that town. And then, okay, please move on. Move on, please. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep's mm-hmm. goods, cattle, and plunders to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gael. Mm-hmm. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Mercy. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. This is what people don't understand. Many people misinterpret this particular scripture. Obedience is better than sacrifice. What someone was trying to make Saul understand is that forgiveness is of no use. Forgiveness is not needed if you had obeyed. There is no need for us to cry to the Lord and believe God for forgiveness of sin if we had obeyed. So, obedience is better than sacrifice. It is possible to live a life without asking God for forgiveness of sins if you live a life of obedience. Are you here? So someone is saying that this sacrifice you are giving to God and trusting God to accept it on, on the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary is not of essence if you had obeyed God. The sacrifice, the oxes, will not be needed if you had killed all those things that God asked you to kill. So you being here asking forgiveness of sins from the things that you, you have sinned against the Lord. If you had obeyed God, there would be no need for you to ask for forgiveness. So to, in a certain situation, forgiveness is not needed. If I obey God, there is no need for me to ask God for forgiveness of sins for obeying Him. Are you here at all? So, forgiveness is not needed when obedience takes place. When you obey, forgiveness is not needed. So, obedience is better than sacrifice. So, sacrificing is good, but obedience is the sure better way. You don't have to transgress against the Lord and now trust that when you ask forgiveness of sin, He will forgive you. You go and do something you know it's a sin. And yet, you want to do it that when you are done, you come and ask God forgiveness of sin. And He said, those things are not needed. Are you here? <laughs> Let me conclude now. First Samuel chapter 10, the verse 10. Now, after all these things happen, you let's move to... Uh, so let's move to the, uh, the first Samuel, the um, chapter 15, the verse 22. First Samuel 15, verse 22. Mm-hmm. But Samuel replied, mm-hmm. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your bent offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? What is more pleasing to God? Your obedience to God or you asking for forgiveness of sin? Which one is more pleasing to God? You answer yourself. Answer yourself. Your obedience to God or you asking for forgiveness of sin. Which one is pleasing to God? Then verse 24, please. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, Yes, Mm. I have sinned. Mm. Now he's now he's admitting. What happened? Why did he admit? Move on, please. (laughs) I have disobeyed your instructions. Ah, But he's saying that he's the one who said that God has told him to uh, keep the people alive. Why is it now that he is is to disobeyed God? Okay, move on. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. Mm-hmm. For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. So he did what the people were demanding and he mistook the voice of the people for the voice of God. And he had the audacity to say, God said, that's here to the Lord. So it's not all that's here the Lord is that's here the Lord. Are you here at all? Yeah. Not everyone comes to you saying that's here the Lord and I see and I saw. Not everyone saying that is saying that by the inspiration of God. Some of them are saying that because they want money. <laughs> and some people will come to you, I see the rest of the world, you are my wife. Let me also see first. <laughs> those kind of scenes, you should know where those kind of scenes are coming from. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> now, Saul, what was the mistake of Saul was to not descend the voice of God in the voice of his father. Listen to me. The voice 
of your father is the voice of God to you. Tell someone, the voice of your father is the voice of God to you. One more time, the voice of your father is the voice of God to you. So Samuel was speaking to Saul, being his father, and that was still the same voice of God speaking to him. But he could not discern that the voice of my father is the voice of God to me. And then he missed it. Now, this led to him even missing the throne. God forgave him, but Saul missed the throne. What happened? The Bible says in the verse 26 that when Saul, Samuel was leaving Saul, Saul held the, the, the skirt of Samuel, and then when Samuel left, the skirt got torn. And, was, and then Samuel turned to Saul and told him, just as the skirt is being torn, so has the kingdom of Israel been torn away from thee. And another one who is better than thee shall replace thee. Sing from Israel. Can we read it for us, please? 26. Verse 26. But Samuel replied, mm. I will not go back with you mm. since you have rejected the Lord's command. Mm. He has rejected you mm. as king of Israel. Mm. As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. What God has given to you right now that you have, that you are boasting of, that you are mis- mistreating right now, the Lord Himself has someone that is much more better than you to take up that position. <laughs> ah, this is what when I say this, I don't understand. <laughs> See, the place you are, the things you have, God has someone better to give it to them, yet He has given it to you. So when you begin to mistreat that thing, he is able to take it from you. Now, guess what? When Saul left and someone also departed from Saul, Saul was still sitting on the throne. He was on the throne, but God had rejected him. It is possible that God can reject you in that company, but you can still be there, but you are rejected. It is possible that God... See, there are many men of God that are rejected on the pulpit, but they are still on the pulpit, but they are rejected. That's why he said, depart from me. You, I did not know you not. But they, they cast out devil in thy name. He rejected them before time. You can be in something. You can be somewhere in a particular position and God has rejected you in that position. You can be in a marriage. God has someone better for you or better for that person. But God showed you mercy and gave you that person. And yet, if you misbehave, God can take you from there. Now, the things you have, the possessions you have, alright, God has someone better to give it to. God equally has someone that is much more, listen, you have to come to a realization that, listen, there's someone that is better than you here. You, you are still here, there's someone, even me, there's someone better than me here. But God showed me mercy to give me the ministry I have, the gift I have, and if I misbehave, he is able to take it from me and give it to someone else. Remember, the give and take God, the give and take God. He doesn't give and take it for himself, he gives it to another. Bible said, he, this one is, is in your same time, but it is much, he is much more better than you. So, so, come on. So, so, are you telling me that God did not see this person that is better than me, and yet he made me king over Israel? not see that this person, this person here that I have placed here is much more better than me. And then he still placed him there. God saw that there was someone better, but he still made you there by his mercy. So you see, when you are somewhere and you are comfortably misbehaving because of where you are, understand that you can easily lose it. Ah. <laughs> oh, you see, I have seen people eh, there, yeah, yeah, they fuck them. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I, I've seen things that I am very conscious of what I do and how I say things. Are you here with me? Even you, the position, even in ministry, I say it all the time. Anytime someone wants to leave, God brings someone much more better. I tell you the truth. So God doesn't keep you there because there is no one better. He keeps you there for a reason. And it is your duty to be there also for that reason. The moment you begin to misbehave, thinking that God will keep forgiving you, one day you wake up not knowing that God had rejected you. And you are still there. There are many rejected men of God on puppets. It will take discernment for you to know. You see, they will prophesy accurately, they will work out miracles accurately, but yet they are still rejected of God. (laughs) They are still rejected. 
<laughs> I know people whom their boss in their mind, their boss has already sacked them, but they are still in the company. <laughs> and what they can do is to frustrate you in that company. But they have sacked you, but to tell you to leave, they will not tell you to leave. But they will, what they will do is they will frustrate you in that company. You know, your lecturer can fail you in his mind, but he can still keep you in class. <laughs> All he's waiting for is a D day. <laughs> uh, that's how God can do it. It's very funny. It's very funny. God can, just as we saw Job, in one day, Job was the richest man in the East. But in one day, Job lost everything. He lost his wife, he, he lost his children, he lost his cattle, he lost all his possessions. So in one day, one time he was the richest man in the whole town, in the East, and in one day he became the poorest man. One day, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, one day. Tell someone one day. When God decides to reject you, I tell you, something else will happen to you. And after God rejected Saul, evil spirit began to minister to Saul. Instead of angels ministering to Saul, evil spirits now began ministering to Saul, but he was still king on the throne. Saul was still king on the throne. Yet, God had rejected him. And because the Lord had rejected him, even a king on the throne, evil spirits began ministering to him. So it is possible for a, a pastor, a prophet of God, to be ministering under familiar spirits. And he's getting everything accurately, yet that spirit is not from God. Just as the, the, the familiar spirit met uh, Paul and began prophesying. And Paul wrote, this particular spirit is not from God. He casted him out. It is possible. <laughs> so when the evil spirits were ministering to Saul, Bible says in the first Samuel chapter 17, verse 23. Then David came up from somewhere. And David kept playing the harp to refresh Saul. Can you read it, please? First Samuel 17. Verse 23. Mm-hmm. As he was talking with them, Goliath. First Samuel 17, 23. First Samuel 17. Yeah, yeah, move on, please. Goliath came out from the Philistine ram. Mm-hmm. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they, be- they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giants? The men asked. He came out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. You, because, because of time, you will move to the next verse. But because of time, this one we have to understand here. David, with all these things, these things were before, as they were mentioning Goliath, these things were before David had killed Goliath, okay? Before David killed Goliath, he was ministering also to Saul, to Saul who was having evil spirits ministering to him. Now, I was saying, David was skillful in the playing of the harp. And as much as he was skillful in the playing of the harp, he, anytime he plays the harp, Severally to Saul, he was refreshing Saul, and then he was casting evil spirits away from Saul. So David went to Saul occasionally to cast the, the evil spirits from him. Which kind of environment was around, or the atmosphere that was around Saul, that was able to cause the habitation of evil spirits to minister to him and to take David to play a harp to cast it out? Which kind of atmosphere that all you a king angels are not ministering to you as a king what is mentioned to you is evil spirit which kind of atmosphere did he have he had a rejected atmosphere god had rejected him right? ah. hey. don't come to that point don't come to that point <laughs> when god definitely rejects you satan will definitely accept you he will give his people charge over thee <laughs> so the evil spirit began ministering but something happened in verse 55 please now, so here we get to a Saul already knows David. Because David had been coming to him to minister to him and to cast out the evil spirit from him. Move on. 55 to 56. When Saul saw David go out and eat the Philistine, he said to Abner, Abner, the, cap- the captain of the host, mm-hmm. whose son is this youth? Whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I cannot tell. Verse 56. And the king said, Inquire whose son the stripling is. My goodness. Listen, listen, listen. This thing now has happened. 
after David had killed Goliath, Saul had now seen David and he's asking, whose son is this guy? Whose son is this youth? Whose son is this? He has seen that, oh, David had killed Goliath. And now Saul is asking, whose son is this? Whose son is this youth? You see, he already knew David. Because David was coming to minister to him occasionally to cast out the evil spirit from him. So he knew David every time. But when he saw David now killing Goliath, he understood that the David that was killing, that was driving away evil spirit from me, is the son of Jesse. But this David, this David that is killing Goliath, whose son is he? You understand? His physical father couldn't have impacted him with the grace to kill Goliath. So he was searching for another father that is behind his ability to kill Goliath. Yeah, we're getting it. <laughs> he was searching for another father. Because the David I know that was playing the harp for me is the son of Jesse. But this David, who is he? Who is he? Who is this David? And then he told his servant in verse 56, go and inquire of this youth for me. Inquire of him for me. The, the king who he saw is now asking that they should go and inquire of this same David. But this same David is the one who comes to play the harp for you. What has changed? Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel 16, verse 6, David at a point, someone came to the house of David and then he said that, Jesse, comfort all your children and let us, let us anoint him. Let us anoint the king of Israel because the Lord said, the king of Israel is coming from this house. And he said that David was at the back of the desert. And then he was called for and he came. And Samuel anointed him as the king of Israel. So what we get here is that Samuel is also the spiritual father of David. So Saul had the same spiritual father with David, but different results. <laughs> so it is possible for both of you to be my sons and my daughters. And it is possible for you to have different results. Oh, yeah. Whose son is this? And then he said, go and inquire of him. You see, when you encounter your father and you begin to take your father's words as the words of God, prominent people begin to inquire of you. Kings and queens begin to inquire of you. You are there and they are beginning to inquire of you. You see, this week, prominent people will ask of you. Even as I release the Father's blessing unto you this week. People will inquire of you. And just that, just as people gave unto Saul without him asking, and they saluted him and gave him respect without him asking, this week, they will ask, whose son is this? Who, Who is this youth? Who is this youth? Because this youth, his father is different. But it's the same thing. It is the same David. It is the same David. It could be the same Cecilia, but this week they will begin to see a different aspect on you. Amen. My goodness. Now, first Samuel chapter 10, verse 10. The same thing also happened to Saul. You see, they were all under the same spiritual father. They were all under the same spiritual father. But one was rejected on the throne and one was accepted. <clears throat> to the point that even it came to a point where David was singing. He even sinned more than Saul. But God still said, this is the apple of my eyes. What was different about David? <laughs> that wasn't different from Saul. David never lied. God has said, that's the Lord. God has not said. Yes, he could sleep with different women. He could kill his friends. He, he, his friends, uh, he, his friends, so he can take their wife. But he never lied against the Holy Spirit. He, do not blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That was one of the major differences, even though they had the same father. <laughs> so your father says God has rejected you. He's your father, but God has rejected you. And then he's anointing another person in your place. <laughs> the same father. <laughs> Who is your father? <laughs> First Samuel 10, verse 10. First Samuel 10, verse 10. Please listen carefully, okay? When Saul and his servants arrived at the hill, mm. they saw a group of prophets mm. coming towards them. Mm. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he said, and he he began to prophesy. Mm -hmm. Verse 11, 
When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? Is Saul a prophet? Is his father not Kish? They were asking, Saul is prophesying. Saul, from the Benjamite family, the smallest family in Israel, he is prophesying. Is this Saul not the son to Kish? So they know the background of Saul and they know what Saul can do and what Saul cannot do. So when they found that Saul is now prophesying, they saw something wrong with it. And they began criticizing. Is this guy not the son of Kish? Why is he prophesying? Why is he in the company of prophets? And then the verse 11 says that, oh my goodness, that there was one among them. See, just like Peter also among the disciples was able to know by revelation that Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee. Now, this, there was one among the people who were criticizing Saul. One of them said, who is their father? You see, you see, this was happening after they have spoken about the father of Saul being Kish. Can you read it for me? Okay, let them get it. Maybe they're not, they're not getting it well. One from the same place asked. You read from the verse 10, please. The verse 10. When they came to the hill. Mm-hmm. Verse 10. When Saul and his servants arrived at the hill, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul. Then he said, and he too began prophesying. And he, and, what, to and he too, yes. Saul too, Saul too began prophesying. Saul too. Okay. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they knew him. They heard that Saul is prophesying now. They exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become How? a prophet? How did the son of Kish? You see, when, when they just opposed Kish being the father, the biological father to Saul. They realize now this thing cannot happen. Kish cannot impact Saul to receive this. So what happened in the next verse, please? And one of those one of standing them. there said, One of them. Can anyone become a prophet? No matter who his father is. No matter who his father is. So that is the origin of the saying. Is even Saul a prophet? <laughs> uh, when Saul had finished prophesying, he went up to the place of worship. Is even Saul a prophet? Who, who is their father? If you read the King James Version, he said, Who is their father? So, can Kish can Kish make Saul prophesy? It's not possible. Then they began to ask, Who is their father? See, this weekend, they will ask you, Who is your father? Oh, you understand. Because, see, if you've ever had sales, if you're in business, right? If you've ever had sales within the week, all right, this week is going to be your highest sales. Just watch it. Just watch it. Just you just watch it. Just watch it because I'm going to teach you something in a few minutes. Next two minutes. Why will someone who already knows the father of Saul be asking again that who is the father of Saul? They are already established who his father is, and yet they are asking again that who is his father. They are talking about his spiritual father. But this one is spiritual. This one is different. Kish cannot give Saul this one. So who is the one giving Kish the Saul this one? Who is the one giving Saul this one? And then when you check out, it was someone who had prophesied Saul to be there. You see, when people begin to see your father, they will stop criticizing you. When what you are doing is accurate and from God, and people are talking about you too much, when they begin to see your genealogy and they begin to find out this is your father, they will stop questioning you because they know that you, are, you have someone you are accountable to. So when they found out that Saul is accountable to someone, they, they stopped criticizing him. They kept quiet. Who is your father? Who is your father? Who is your life coach? Who is your mentor? Your father is not your friend. Who is your father? Whose voice do you believe? Last year, Matthew 17, 27. We are closing with this. Matthew 27. Matthew 17, 27. Matthew 17, verse 27. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. 
Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay tax for both of us. All right. We please be upstanding. Bible says that in Jesus Christ, he was in a temple with his disciples. Bible said he had already gone to pray after the transfiguration stuff had happened. And after the transfiguration stuff had happened, he came. And then when he came, Bible says that they were in the temple. And in the temple they were in, they were listening to the word of the Lord. And suddenly the tax collectors came. When the tax collectors came, they were asking them to pay tax. And then the tax collector was asking the servant of, of Jesus, or the disciple of Jesus, that does your master pay tax? Does he pay tax? Sorry. And Jesus said, you know, there is a need for us to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And what belongs to God, also to God. And then Jesus told Peter, go into the sea. When you get to the sea, take up a hook. Fish. And when the first fish you catch, take it out. And there was a silver coin in his mouth. Take it out. And use that money to pay for the tax. Listen, the voice of God is in the voice of your father. And it's your duty to discern it. When Jesus spoke to Peter, watch, watch this. There were other three disciples with Jesus. Peter, James, and John. But Jesus asked Peter to go to the, the riverside because one, God doesn't use an empty person. God used someone who has something. So when he met Moses, he said, what is in your hand? The reason why Jesus asked Peter to go was because Peter was a fisherman. So he had a skill of fishing. Jesus not just asked anyone to go and go and catch the fish and then he will find money in the, in the mouth of the fish. He asked Peter to go because Peter was skillful in fishing. One. So if God is going to do something with you this week, you must have a skill. If God is going to bless you this week, there must be something you have that God can bless. So God, God told Peter, go to the riverside because he could fish. And then he gave him an instruction. He said, go with a hook. Fish with a hook. He did not tell him to fish with the nets. He says fish with a hook. It was specific instruction. You see, for you, you could have felt like, oh, what if I use the hook and I cut this fish and I don't get the money in the mouth of the fish? Why don't I use the net? Catch multiple fish and go and sell the fish and then use the money to go and pay for this. <laughs> that would have been a waste of time. See, listen to your father and obey your father. Because in that word of your father, you see, how do I say this? When Saul found Samuel, it was the quickest way for Saul to get to the throne. When you find your father and you begin to obey your father, things begin to happen quickly and swiftly in your life. At least you can experience it in your life. When you encounter your father and obey his voice, things begin happening swiftly in your life. So if Peter went to fish with the nets, he would have wasted more time and delay by going to sell the fish. But Jesus said, use a hook, one fish, the first fish you will catch. Take money from the mouth. Now, that was also talking about supernatural supply in business. Money, miracle money, which we have seen here. Supra supernatural supply in business. Now, after that happened, see, there are many things in this scripture. I don't want to talk plenty about it, but I want to declare the week. After that happened, Jesus told him to also allow the fish to be in the water and just take the coin and come and pay. You see, Peter could have still taken the fish and go and cook the fish and maybe eat afterwards. <laughs> after they have done the activity in the temple, he could have taken the fish and cooked it and eat. But he left the fish in the river. Why? So that fish can multiply. If tomorrow we need another money from the mouth of a fish, we can get more. What am I trying to say here? When God gives you supernatural supply, he makes you spend that supernatural supply, but he gives you one that can be a capital that can also increase. You don't eat your capital. You don't eat your seed. Tell someone supernatural supply. Supernatural supply. <laughs> See, obey the voice of your father. For it is the voice of God. When Peter obeyed, things became sweet. Things happened quickly for them. Things took on at a different time in their life. Have you been disobeying my voice or you've been dis 
Have you been obeying my voice? Which is which? When I speak, you feel you have also heard God. You feel this is the right way to go. You feel now you are you. So now you can do, now you know God. Now you can pray in tongues. Now at least you can see small. At least you have A, B, C, D. So now you, you don't have to obey Bishop again. <laughs> what you do not know is that you are heading to a way that is a linear way. You, you, you do not know it's a way that leads on to death. It's a way that will cause even God to reject you, but you can still be there. <laughs> Say, Father, Father I, pray thee, I pray thee, do not reject me. Do not reject me. Grant me grace, grace to, obey. to obey in the mighty name of Jesus.